From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. All this seclusion that so many of us have faced affords us time to reflect on our health and relationships. Talking with me about this is Dr. Susan Levinson. She's an assistant professor of family medicine specializing in integrative medicine at Upstate, and she joins me by phone. Welcome back to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Levinson. Hi, Amber. It's great to be here again. I know there's a lot of frustration and fear, but are you also finding patients or or friends of yours who are using this time to be sort of reflective? Um, Yeah, that's been one of the surprises. I think there's been a lot of surprises during this pause. Um, The most, I think my biggest surprise was some um, patients who I, I spoke with during the first week of the quarantine and I was actually surprised at how joyful they were feeling. Um, I was expecting, you know, I'd been, I'd been on call the weekend before and I was expecting sort of a lot of anxiety and fear and they were actually kind of in their bliss. They had spent the weekend eating healthy food and doing meditation chanting, and really just enjoying the time they had been uh, conscious of how much news they were consuming, getting enough to stay informed, but not obsessing. And one of them started, um, this, one of my, the women started um, telling me about the meditation she'd been having. And <clears throat> she recited, or she commented about uh, breathing and sharing love and sharing breath. And I found that really profound because we have learned that this virus is droplet um, is droplet born. And so I didn't realize how much breath had started to become an enemy and something that we feared that I, fe- I feared sharing breath and breathing started to feel very scary. And I realized at that moment that even at the beginning of this pause or the, this infective spread in our community, I realized at this moment that it's not too early to think about healing. And I had never before realized that healing could be going on at the exact same time as the onset or the beginning of illness or uncertainty. So I found that pretty profound and then realized that it's not, it's not too early to engage in a deep and profound way with our health. You and know, I found that inspiring. I've heard and watched the um, CNN anchor Chris Cuomo had been infected with this and he had talked about it and said that he had done breathing exercises daily while he had this as a way to sort of help him heal. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. Because ultimately this is about one of the things this is about is about our breath and, um, you know, in yoga traditions, uh, breath or prana is life. So it really does tie us to, um, our fragility and, our uh, conscious awareness of being alive. That's interesting that Chris came to that 
maybe intuitively or maybe something that he'd been practicing? Well, I think the situation has brought a lot of people are wrestling with like existential questions, um, you know, about what this means. And how do you as a physician help someone who's wrestling with things? You know, what is the meaning of life? And what does this mean about me? What's going to happen? How do you help people? And is that a healthy thing for people to be thinking? Absolutely. I think so. And it's very how I think this is really a time when those questions come up. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Actually, I think that that's very healthy, both individually and collectively for us all to spend time right now reflecting and kind of going a little bit deep inside. And I guess some of the ways that I try to help people is that I'm trying to engage in that process myself. I haven't had any experience previously in living through a pandemic, and I don't think any of us have. And so it's really been, for me, a lot about feeling through and recognizing that I'm having a lot of emotions that come up and they change on a regular basis. And even sometimes I wonder, you know, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? I was wondering that last night as I was going to bed because, well, when your life changes and when your patterns change and you, it's harder to define yourself by your routines, it lays you more open to really question some of those deeper, those deeper thoughts. And I think that's very healthy, actually. And I think yeah. it helps us to prepare well, for so maybe many, what might be next. So many people have an identity that's attached to their career or, you know, students with school. And that's sort of been ripped out from beneath us. So we're left to, I don't know, just kind of wonder what, I mean, what does this mean? Is this going to, are we going to learn as a society some sort of lesson having gone through this pandemic, do you think? I really hope so. I really hope so, because this is a at the same time as being a time of incredible suffering and uncertainty and loss and grief for a lot of people. It's also a time to think about what that all means. So, you know, it's interesting that you mention identity because, um, you know, there's a difference between pain and suffering and suffering Um, part of suffering has to do with identity because, you know, we're social and we identify and define ourselves a lot of times through our relative um, interactions and our relationships with other people. And so right now where we've become relatively isolated, we might still have identities of who and what we, you know, what we do as a living, or maybe people are unemployed or maybe they're in between jobs. So there is a huge identity crisis, I think, going on at the moment with a lot of people. Um, But that suffering, I don't think, has to be done in, I I would really hope that that suffering is not done in vain. And what I often have noticed with people who are going through individual crises and changes is that Um, If there's some meaning that you can glean from your suffering, 
then it's not the worst type of suffering, which is senseless suffering. It becomes meaningful. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Susan Levinson. She's an assistant professor of family medicine, and she specializes in integrative medicine at Upstate. And we're talking about reflecting on health and relationships during this time that has been marked by lots of seclusion. And I know you as a family physician have been able to uh, do some telehealth appointments with patients, but let me ask you, you and especially primary care doctors, do you feel you have a responsibility to address a patient's spiritual needs? Oh, absolutely. Because I think that uh, at all times, a spiritual need is, especially, you know, if you're looking at a um, at a person holistically, I personally believe that um, somebody's spiritual self is as important in that um, holistic view as their physical, their emotional, their mental, and their spiritual health. And especially right now, <clears throat> where people may be having identity crises or a lot of uncertainty, that spiritual um, a spiritual underpinning or a sense of purpose becomes even more important. So um, it, that becomes a, an important uh, ap, um, aspect of somebody's return to health or using this as, as a time of healing. So, yeah. Do you think that we can use this pandemic uh, as a time to start making positive health changes? Would this a be lot a of- good time to do that? I think that that's, you know, on one hand, I think people feel stressed and, you know, certainly the idea of going into a pandemic and coming out an expert in some new field, I think might be a little bit of a, of a tall order, but I think this is a great time to kind of clean your internal house and to look at what habits, what health habits are serving you and what are destructive and not helping your life um, at the moment to live the healthiest life. Also from a preventative point of view, I think it's particularly important for patients to really take inventory of um, their own health and what habits they're um, they're, uh, relying on to get through their days. Um, whenever you have a habit, it tends to be tied to other habits. So right now there's been a big change in how we're living our life. So actually it's a pretty decent time to maybe, maybe get rid of, you know, a smoking habit or a sugar habit or something like that. Well, it sounds, I mean, when you said, you know, clean your internal house, a, a lot of people are feeling like, you know, they need a project, they need something to do, you know, so maybe why not? Right. Absolutely. How do you as a physician help coach someone through, well, let's take the desire to quit smoking or the desire to, um, you know, eliminate added sugar from your diet? How would you help someone go about doing that during this time? Those are some of my favorite things to do. (laughs) Um, I love talking to people about quitting smoking. It's really fun. I always try and get a sense of where they are in that process. If they're um, interested at all, if they're not interested. And I also try and get a sense if somebody thinks that they can 
or can get a sense of how much empowerment they feel towards making a change. Um, and then I try to figure out if I can kind of move that dial a tiny bit. Um, for smoking, you know, I don't want to go too much on the um, on the kind of fear factor because that I think can make you want to smoke a little bit more because it's stressful. So um, I might remind people though that there is some additional dangers perhaps in maintaining a tobacco habit right now because it requires you to go out to the store, maybe have a potential exposure. And I think that one thing that the COVID virus has done is it's really pointed out all of the, all of the vices that we have as a society and it really seems to exploit them. So smoking has been no exception. We've known for a long time that smoking can make a severe infection uh, occur. So I don't try to do too much of the fear factor, but I do remind people of that and that might get somebody interested. Um, other things I like to do is sort of identify how much of a smoking habit is nicotine addiction and how much of it is behavioral and habit. And once we get into the habit territory, then it can get a lot of fun because you can start to figure out what are the triggers, what are the underlying reasons, you know, what is the emotional need for smoking. And once you start to figure out what those emotional needs are, then the world can open up to you a little bit and you can start to think about constructive rather than destructive habits. Because as I always tell my patients, um, your emotional need for smoking is totally legit. It's totally legit, whatever it is, whether it's boredom or loneliness or frustration or stress, those are completely legitimate reasons to have stress or look for some way to find a, you know, a way out of that discomfort. But the key is not to push those feelings away. The key is to understand those feelings and find a healthy habit to do instead. And oftentimes I'll encourage people to think about something that they really are maybe secretly wishing was a part of their life now. And that starts to be a lot of fun. People might have, um, maybe they played the flute in their past. I've talked to patients who said, yeah, I did play flute in high school. I still have a flute around. And then I might encourage them to imagine their world, to imagine their life with the beautiful sound of their flute music when things are feeling a little bit um, rocky or a little boring or whatnot rather than um, smoking. And it does paint a, it does paint a different picture. So, so that's finding, finding something to replace the bad habit. That's neat. A, a positive thing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much to Dr. Susan Levinson from Upstate's Department of Family Medicine, where she specializes in integrative medicine. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.